0: Hi, this is Edwin Crozier of the Franklin Church of Christ in Franklin, Tennessee. I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us as we strive to learn God's Word and apply it to our lives, our congregation, and our world. Today's lesson, presented to the Franklin Church on August 24, 2008, is a challenging look at the ecumenical nature of religion today. We examine what happened in the land of Israel after Assyria conquered God's people in judgment. The people brought into the land ended up mixing their religion with God's. However, that did not make them right. We'll notice four lessons we need to recognize today as people want to mix God's religion with man's religion even now. So, open your Bible and get ready to learn about mixed religion. Israel had been warned over and over again to follow God and do things His way. And yet, repeatedly, the kings that Israel had led them into idolatry and sin such that God finally brought judgment on Israel and the Israelites were removed from their land. The Assyrians, having conquered them and carried them off into captivity, then took other nations that they had conquered and brought their people over into the Israelite territory. The idea was basically to kind of shake everybody up to demonstrate that we're in control and you're not in control of your life and we're going to put you into a strange place with strange gods and with all kinds of strange problems. And of course, for the folks that came into the Israelite land, there were some strange problems. In 2 Kings chapter 17... 2 Kings chapter 17, we recognize, and beginning in verse 24, the trouble that they had. And we're, I want to read several verses here if you'd like to follow along. 2 Kings chapter 17, beginning at verse 24, says, And the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, Cuthah, Ava, Hamath, and Sepharbaim, and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the people of Israel. And they took possession of Samaria and lived in its cities. And at the beginning of their dwelling there, they did not fear the Lord. Therefore, the Lord sent lions among them, which killed some of them. So the king of Assyria was told, The nations that you have carried away and placed in the cities of Samaria do not know the law of the God of the land. Therefore, he has sent lions among them. And behold, they are killing them, because they do not know the law of the God of the land. Then the king of Assyria commanded... Send there one of the priests whom you carried away from there and let him go and dwell there and teach them the law of the God of the land. So one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and lived in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. But every nation still made gods of its own and put them in the shrines of the high places that the Samaritans had made and every nation in the cities in which they lived. In verse 30, the men of Babylon made Sukkot-Zenoth, the men of Kuth made Nergal, the men of Hamath made Ishma. The Avites made Nibaz and Tartak, and the Sepharvites burned their children in the fire to Adramalak and Anamalak, the gods of Sephardaan. They also feared the Lord, and appointed from among themselves all sorts of people as priests of the high places, who sacrificed for them in the shrines of the high places. So they feared the Lord, but also served their own gods, after the manner of the nations from among them, from among whom they had been carried away. Verse 34 says, To this day they do according to the former manner. They do not fear the Lord and they do not follow the statutes of the rules or the law or the commandment that the Lord commanded the children of Jacob, whom He named Israel. The Lord made a covenant with them and commanded them, You shall not fear other gods or bow yourselves to them or serve them or sacrifice to them, but you shall fear the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt with great power and with an outstretched arm. You shall bow yourselves to Him and to Him you shall sacrifice and the statutes, and the rules, and the law, and the commandment that He wrote for you. You shall always be careful to do. You shall not fear other gods, and you shall not forget the covenant that I made with you. You shall not fear other gods, but you shall fear the Lord your God, and He will deliver you out of the hand of your enemies. However, they would not listen, but they did according to their former manner. So these nations feared the Lord, and also served their carved images. Their children did likewise and their children's children, as their fathers did, so they do to this day. What a very interesting story. I don't understand exactly why God allowed here for them to be in their mixed religion to remove the lines of judgment. But we still recognize that God is not pleased as these folks are involved in mixed religion. They feared the Lord, it says, but they also followed the gods of their former customs, their their former manner, the, the gods of their own land. And they tried to mix those things together. But God was not pleased, and in verse thirty-four said that they did not fear the Lord. The reason I want us to take a look at this story today is because mixed religion is not just something of the past. Mixed religion is something that is is going on today. God has given us His New Testament. God has given us the guide for how we're supposed to serve Him and and how we should worship Him and how we should live as Christians. And yet today, folks have added their own books to that. And they've written their creeds and and they've written their new other testaments. And they've they've added all kinds of things to what God has said. So many are bringing into what they call their Christianity, their, their baggage from their former lives. And acting as if that is just as much a part of God's religion as these folks were thinking that their other idols were as as good as God's religion. And we need to take care. We need to take care that we are not mixing our religion with God's religion. And we need to take a look at the ecumenical nature of our society today and recognize that, that God does not want man to mix His ideas in with God's religion. God wants us to submit to Him. To follow His pure and undefiled religion. So I'd just like for us to consider 2 Kings chapter 17 and what happened there and recognize four lessons that that we should learn today to avoid this mixed religion. Before we do that, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Almighty God and Father in Heaven, You are awesome and powerful and we are amazed by You. We just want to do Your will. We ask that you would help us. We know that we've got our own prejudices and preconceived ideas. and We ask that you would help us to push our own baggage away, to just open our eyes to your word and simply do what you've said. We know it's a growth process, and we know that we're all struggling to accomplish this, and we pray that you would help us. Father, be patient with us and help us to be patient with one another. But at the same time, help us, Father, to have standards according to your word, to help bring folks along so that they will be submitting to you and not following the commandments of men. Father, we love You, and we thank You so much for loving us and sending Your Son to die for us. It's through Him that we pray. Amen. The very first thing that we need to recognize in 2 Kings 17 is that God's religion and man's religion don't mix. They're mutually contradictory. God's religion and man's religion are mutually contradictory. The fact is, here in 2 Kings 17, man's religion said that there were all kinds of gods. There were gods for every land and nation. There were gods for the hills. There were gods for the plains. There were gods for the seas and the ocean. There were gods for the sky. There were gods for the forest. But the Bible says, God's religion says, there is one God and Father of all. Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 6, there is one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Way back in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 3 when God had given His ten commandments to the children of Israel. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse 3, God there said, You shall have no other gods before Me. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 13 and 14, God made it even more clear. He said in Deuteronomy 6 verse 13 and 14, It is the Lord your God you shall fear, Him you shall serve, and by His name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. And yet when these folks from the other lands came in and God sent the lions, and so they brought a priest from Israel to come and to to help them, to tell them how to live, they didn't simply submit to God. It says that they feared God, but they also submitted to their own idols. Again, in 2 Kings chapter 17 and verse 30, it says, The men of Babylon made Sukkoth Benoth. The men of Kuth made Nergal, the men of Hamath made Ashima, the Abites made Nibaz and Tartak, and the Sepharvites burned their children in the fire to Adrimalek and Anamalek. Those are, those are forms of the word Molech, of that false god, the gods of the Sepharvan. They also feared the Lord and appointed from among themselves all sorts of people as priests of the high places who sacrificed for them in the shrines of the high places. So they had shrines to Jehovah God, but then they had shrines to Adramalek and Anamalek and and Tartak, and all these other gods. The fact is, we just need to understand, that doesn't mix. You can't fear Jehovah God as the one and only God, and yet also fear these other gods as if they're somehow equal to Him. It just can't work. So you can imagine that some of these cities in Samaria were much like what Paul found when he went into Athens at Mars Hill, and he saw a city full of idols. It's exactly what we're seeing among Samaritans. They were mixing God's religion and man's religion. But that's still happening today. I recognize there there aren't many churches that would give honor to false gods, though I think there are some. But we recognize that there are all kinds of people who claim to be Christian that are bringing in man's rules to mix with God's. And we need to remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 9. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. We don't have to set up a room with an idol in the back and come in here and worship and praise Jehovah God and then go back there to to fall before some idol to be mixing religion. When we're bringing man's commandments and man's doctrines into Christ's will and trying to mix it together as if God will be pleased with us, we are mixing religion as much as those folks in Samaria were. And we just can't do that. God's religion says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 4, that there is one body, that is, one church. But man's religion says that there are numerous churches and we get to choose the one of our choice. God's religion says in John chapter 4 and verse 24 that we need to worship our God in spirit and in truth. But man's religion says we can worship God however we feel. God's religion says in Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23. In Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23. I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself, that it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. And then in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 25. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 25, where it says there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. God's religion says that that man can't direct his own steps just from his own will. He can't trust just what he thinks, but he needs to rely on God. Man's religion says just do whatever feels right in your heart. God's religion says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. God's religion says that the Scriptures have been given to us as a pattern and a blueprint for how we can serve God. Man's religion says all oh, the New Testament is just a love letter, just letting you know God loves you, do what you want. God's religion says, In John chapter 5, John chapter 5 at verse, well, I've lost my verse. There it is, John chapter 5, verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who has sent me as eternal life, he does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son also to have life in Himself. And He has given Him authority to execute judgment, because He is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear His voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. God's religion says that a judgment is coming and will be judged according to our deeds. But man's religion says that God loves us too much to ever judge anyone. God's religion says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 and 10. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And added to that, Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, God's religion says to us, Acts 2.38, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Spirit. God's religion says if we want to become Christians, we've got to believe that Jesus is the Christ, we've got to confess our faith, we've got to turn from our sins, and we've got to be baptized for the remission of our sins. Man's religion says have a prayer have a moment of faith, speak in tongues. Man's religion says all kinds of things, but God's religion is very specific. The fact is, we can't mix those things. We can't bring what man wants into God's religion. Because if we did, we'll be doing just as the folks in 2 Kings 17 did. The second thing we need to recognize from that is eventually, if we try to mix God's religion and man's religion, eventually one of them is going to have to win out. They're like oil and water. They just can't stay together. Sooner or later, we're going to have to make a stand. We're going to have to pick one or the other. If we we keep trying to meld them, We're either eventually just going to have to reject man's religion and come over and stand solidly on God's side, or we're going to end up rejecting God's religion and just keep pushing further and further away from what God has wanted us to do. In 2 Kings chapter 17, to me one of the most interesting verses is verse 34. Almost throughout the entire rest of the chapter, it talks about how these folks who came into Samaria feared the Lord and also worshipped idols. They feared the Lord, and they set up their shrines. They feared the Lord, and they followed after their former manner. But verse 34 demonstrates that those statements are accommodated everywhere else. Because notice what it says in verse 34. To this day, they do according to the former manner. They do not fear the Lord. And they do not follow the statutes or the rules or the law or the commandments that the Lord commanded the children of Jacob, whom he named Israel. Now that's interesting, because the rest of the time it says they did fear the Lord. But what we recognize is that in those other passages when he says they feared the Lord, he doesn't mean that they were really serving Him. What he means is they did some of the things that God had said they should. So they feared the Lord accommodatively and followed their shrines, their idols. But when it came to really fearing God, they didn't fear God, because if they really feared God, they wouldn't follow the idols at all. You see, even as they tried to mix and they did some things that they knew would be pleasing to Jehovah, they had actually allowed their old religions to win out. God had lost out with them. And see, that's that's just the way it is for us. If we want to mix religions, one or the other has to win out. In Matthew chapter six and verse twenty-nine. Matthew twenty-four. I'm just having a tough time remembering my verses this morning. And somebody even prayed that I would remember it. I think Dan did. I appreciate that, Dan. I obviously needed that today. Matthew 6 and verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God in money. Now, I understand here that Jesus is talking specifically about allowing material things to get in the way of our actual service to God. But the principle is the same no matter what the two things are. You just can't serve God and something else at the same time. Sooner or later, one of them has to win out. Sadly, once we start mixing religion, it's almost never God that wins out. And in fact, the mere fact that we're mixing religion has shunted God off to the side. I've talked to brethren at various times. I remember talking to one brother in Christ who I had heard on a radio show with a denominational pastor and the pastor taught a faith-only salvation which denies what James chapter 2 and verse 22 says. James chapter 2 and verse 22 points out to us. James 2 and 22, you see that faith was active along with His works and faith was completed by His works. Brother in Christ on this radio show with a pastor that taught faith only salvation. And when I finally called in, because I just couldn't handle this anymore, and said, how can you guys say that you're united when you teach such mutually exclusive doctrines of salvation? And their response was, well, we're closer than you think. Because you see, the brother in Christ was beginning to mix man's religion with God's religion. And I talked to another preacher of the gospel who claimed that he believed Acts 2.38 was biblical, that we should repent and be baptized for the remission of our sins, but then also said, but you know, maybe some other folks will be saved some other way. What's your verse for that one? You see, folks are mixing religion, and the reality is, sooner or later, one has to win out. We either have to move solidly on God's side and stand by His Word and stand up and proclaim the truth no matter how people are going to take it and what they're going to say to us. Or we're going to get further and further away into man's religion. There's just no way to mix it. Because once you start mixing, you start having inconsistency, and then to try to make it consistent, you're going to have to go one way or the other. The reality is, eventually one will win out. We're either going to choose to serve God, or we're going to end up following man's teachings. The third thing that we need to recognize is that those who follow mixed religion have nothing in common with those who truly follow God. And, and I mean that, not in mis- sense I mean obviously. Obviously there's the commonality if we're going to worship Jehovah God, that, that we believe in Him and we believe in Jesus. But I want you to see this in the sense of Ezra chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. In Ezra chapter 4, those who had been held captive throughout Assyria and then Babylon's captivity with Judah, were finally set free to come home and build the temple of the Lord. And as they're building, the folks who have been in Samaria who were following Jehovah and following their false gods, those who had the mixed religion, they came and said, hey, we want to help you build this temple. We want to be right with you because we believe in Jehovah God and we follow Jehovah God and so we want to build this temple to Jehovah God. And in Ezra chapter 4 verse 1 it says, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the returned exiles were building the temple of Jehovah, the God of Israel, they approached Zerubbabel and the heads of the fathers' houses and said to them, Let us build with you, for we worship your God as you do. And we've been sacrificing him ever since the days of and king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the rest of the heads of the fathers' houses in Israel said, You have nothing to do with us in building a house to our God, but we alone will build to the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. Brethren, we can't have unity with those who will mix God's religion with man's religion. We can't join together to do works with one another. We need to be able to stand and say, We're building the temple of the Lord, and we're going to do it God's way because God has commanded this. In 2 John, verses 9 through 11, 2 John, verses 9 through 11, John wrote, Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked words. Don't eat with him, don't greet him, he even says. If someone is going to mix God's religions with man's religion, the point of the passage here is that we're not supposed to do anything that says we approve of that or or are in unity with that. He's not saying that we're not allowed to shake hands with somebody who... I mean, let's face it, if I were going to have a study with somebody and they came over to my house, I'd shake hands with them and we'd meet. So it's it's not saying that in the literal sense that if they ever cross our threshold, we're sinning. It's the idea of not doing anything that says we approve or are in unity with that. We can't be in unity. Because... We can't build the temple together if they're going to mix man's religion with God's. We as a congregation of God's people have got to make sure we recognize that. Sometimes I think it becomes kind of easy to get to that ecumenical point as we look around and see the folks, well, they are saying they honor God. And they are saying that they believe in Jesus. So maybe it's not that different. But if they're mixing man religion with God's religion, we can't be united with that. We have nothing in common. They've become the enemies of God, rebelling against His will. And if we unite with that and approve that, we will also become the enemies of God. Finally, what this means for us is that we need to examine our own teachings and our own practices. We need to take a look at ourselves. You know, it is so easy to hear this kind of lesson and and start talking about all those people that are out there. It's so easy to talk about how, oh, if they were all just like us, but you know, the reality is this is a growth process. And if we begin to assume that everything we're doing is just a okay and all right, we're not going to grow anymore. We've got to be looking at ourselves. The problem that happened here in 2 Kings chapter 17 was the fact that these folks, it says, brought in their former manner or their former customs, as it says in verse 34 and also in verse 40. It wasn't that they didn't understand what was said to them. It was the fact that they had former customs that they brought into that and tried to mix together. They saw Jehovah God as merely the God of the land According to verse 26, you see that was their former manner. They, they just couldn't when they came to see this God in Israel, they just couldn't fathom the idea of a, a universal God who was just God over everything. you know they, they saw gods of nations and, and places and things. and so they brought that in. Well what we have to be careful of is bringing in our own baggage. you know in Galatians. When Paul wrote to the Galatians, he demonstrated that the Jewish Christians had brought the baggage of their Judaism in with their their circumcision and some of their feasts. In Revelation chapter 2, as John wrote to Gentile congregations in the seven letters to the churches of Asia, in Revelation chapter 2, he points out that the Gentiles were bringing the baggage from their paganism in as they were eating meats offered to idols and, and being involved in the immorality that surrounded that. You see, the problem here is bringing our own baggage in. And we've got to take a look at ourselves. With what we're doing as individuals and as a congregation, is there anything where we're bringing our baggage in? Where we're bringing what we did where we were before? or we're looking around at at things that please us that other people are doing and and bringing that baggage in? We've got to make sure that what we're doing is really God's will. Because if we're bringing in our baggage from our former manner and our former customs... We're mixing our religion with God's. And God doesn't want that. And God will judge that. Judgment is coming. God's religion said, remember? John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29, an hour is coming. We'll be judged. I understand that in 2 Kings chapter 17, because of God's ultimate plan to bring Jesus into the world, He tolerated the mixed religion. But as Acts chapter 17 says, and when I say tolerated, I don't mean that those folks were allowed to go to heaven. I just mean He let it exist without bringing immediate judgment. We need to remember what Paul taught in Acts 17. Times of ignorance have passed. God expects all men everywhere to repent. He wants us to follow His pure and undefiled religion. How are we doing on that? I hope this lesson edified you and glorified God. Let's remember what we learned. Number one, God's religion and man's religion are mutually contradictory. Number two, eventually one or the other will win out. We can't serve two masters. Number three, people in mixed religion have nothing in common with those truly following God. Number four, We must examine what we are doing to make sure we are really following God's will. If you have any questions about this lesson or if you have any spiritual needs or prayer requests, feel free to call us at 615-794-2359 or contact us through our website at franklinchurchofchrist.com. Also, if you're ever in the Middle Tennessee area, we'd love to meet you. Feel free to attend one of our classes or assemblies. You may get a schedule or directions to our building at our website. Again, that's franklinchurchofchrist.com. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him. More importantly, may you richly bless God.